Thank you for tuning in this morning, where today we're exceptionally pleased to have Marilyn Romano, our regional vice president for Alaska Airlines, as our guest. Marilyn began her career with Alaska Air in 2011. Prior to working for the airlines, she spent two decades working for the Fairbanks Daily News Miner and became the paper's publisher and first female executive in 2000. She also served as vice president of the Kodiak Daily Mirror. Her work as a regional vice president at Alaska Air allows her to delve into sales, marketing, public relations, corporate strategizing, corporate giving, and governmental affairs. She's been recognized all around the state for her contributions and commitment to her communities, in particular working with United Way, the Chamber of Commerce in Fairbanks, and with the University of Alaska in Fairbanks. There is a lot to talk about. We already have a rather lengthy list of questions we thought we'd like to pose to her. But again, if you have questions, please call 486-3181 or email your questions to lowdown at kmxt.org. And we'll see if we can get them answered during the course of the program. We're going to be concluding the program just before 10 o'clock today so she can get to another meeting and we can get to talk of Alaska. So with that... Welcome, Marilyn, and thank you very much for sharing your time with the Kodiak community again. Well, thank you very much. I uh, am happy to talk with you on the phone today. I only wish we could have done it in person in Kodiak, and hopefully that can happen soon. For all of us in a lot of different ways, we'd like that to happen, wouldn't we? So Absolutely. You've been, in, you've been in the job for quite a while now as VP uh, with the changes due to the COVID pandemic what kind of challenges are you seeing with your job now? What are you currently dealing with that you didn't have to deal with before? Oh, gosh, the list is pretty long, but I'll start by saying, you know, uh, next month I'll celebrate nine years with Alaska Airlines. And um, we actually started this year in 2020 in January, uh, having employee meetings around the country, had a big employee meeting in Anchorage, planning, you know, talking about our 2020 plan, talking about our plans going right into 2025, uh, really excited, had a great year planned ahead of us. And then, as everybody knows, probably for us internally really started at the end of February, but really, really took the hit by mid-March. And everything that we had planned for was pretty much gone by that point. Um, and as everybody around here says, you know, um, this is not something that you say. This is once in a this is once in my career. This is really for most of us once in a lifetime. Like this is something that none of us have ever seen. Um, and I'll just give you a quick, just to give you a data point. We would normally uh, in March or April and even into May run, uh, be carrying about 130,000 guests a day on our airplanes. And at its low point in April, we were down to 5,000 people a day. Um, so if that gives you any indication of the drop and the, the loss of travel, that, that is a big number of people that you suddenly you didn't see. Airports were empty. If anyone hadn't been to a major airport, I mean, they were empty. Um, so we're doing everything in our power now to start that climb out and to do what we can to make flying as safe as possible so that people feel comfortable flying again when they're ready. 
So what kind of things that happened as things started to slow down internally at the airport? What kind of things happened with Alaska Airlines? I mean, other than the drop in traffic, were you, was it in your, you're obviously losing an enormous amount of money every day. Yes, and that's, that's absolutely the truth. And then um, you're not bringing in any new, you know, people aren't buying tickets. And at the same time, people are having to change tickets, get credit for flying. Uh, you know, they're canceling their flights. Uh, we started, uh, probably everybody, even in, you know, in the state of Alaska, noticed that we started to draw down the number of flights we had because we had no people on them. So then you have to... we. Um, parked um, almost half of our fleet of airplanes. We parked them. They weren't flying. Uh, we went from at our at our lowest point where we would be right now paying 21, um, 19 to 21 flights a day, depending on the day, between Seattle and Anchorage. And we were down to three. Uh, then we were up to six. Then we were up to 10. And now we're averaging between 10 and 12, which is still you know, half of what it should be right now. It's half, but it's rebounded a lot. That's yeah. pretty significant. I mean, what, what, have, what has happened to your, um, your employees? How many of your employees were let go um, as things started to slow down? None of our employees were let go. Um, thanks to the CARES Act, uh, we were able to get uh, a grant which covers about 70% of the payroll for us to, there, it's, it's designed specifically for payroll to pay employees, covers about 70% of our total wages. Um, and that, that is good through uh, the end of September. So really designed and we really were appreciative to our congressional delegation and all those who helped with that because it's really designed to kind of help bridge hopefully the worst part until you can start figuring out how you're going to come out of this. Um, but we did offer uh, voluntary leave packages for employees and very, very thankful. Um, we had uh, close to about 6,000 employees take some sort of voluntary leave uh, from the company during a time when we were so very slow. Uh, employees that had the ability to do that were just really appreciative have an incredible group of employees and everybody's just banded together to do what they can to help. So does employment equal like the return? In other words, do 50% of the employees now return to employment given that you're back to about 50% of flights? Um, that's a difficult question to, to answer because um, and that would have to do by market. It would have to do, you know, almost literally by airport. In some airports, maybe in smaller communities, you, you, if you have one to two flights a day even, you still need a certain amount of people, employees to handle those flights versus some of your bigger airports where your flights may have been further reduced, where you, you may have had people that took a 30-day leave, now they're back. Or they've taken a 90-day leave and, and they're not back yet, but but that's manageable. So it's, it's just, it's all being managed um, because the leaves will not all be the same. And there's different, there's different levels. So people can get called back or come back when 
when and if they're, you know, needed during this period of time. But uh, that's a really difficult one to answer just from a, a blanket answer because it's rather complicated. I got you. So um, you're a regional vice president. How many regional uh, vice presidents are there in Alaska, and how many? And that would probably mean how many, since since an since it's a national international air, airline right now, um, are there different? You, your area includes Seattle or Washington and Hawaii. Is that correct? No, my my area of responsibility is the state of Alaska and Hawaii. It's a so nice region to have, huh? It's really, it's really. Um, I say it. I have the best of of it all, if you think about it. And uh, two incredibly beautiful states. Um, sometimes very different in with weather, but there's some things that are very similar. And just, um, I feel really fortunate. I do, but I live in Anchorage. I live in Alaska. Yeah. So. What are the unique challenges? I mean, there must be a lot of challenges across the whole system that you collectively had to deal with to try and return airplanes to the air. So I imagine as things started to shut down and you you wanted to keep flying, but you you had to make sort of a game plan for how to return passengers into airports, into planes safely, and then are there any special considerations you have to take for flying in, in Alaska? Uh, you know, we are still in the process of, of working through what, you know, return to service throughout our network is going to look like, because it's not there yet. You know, that today we may fly where our low point was, 5,000. Today we may fly 22, 23,000. Mm-hmm. But normally in the summer, you know, we would be flying in excess of 130,000. So we're far, far from the return. And it may be, it may not be until in some, you know, some planning and some scenarios, it may not be till the summer of 2021. I mean, it depends on. Um, how quickly it comes back. Uh, we talk a lot about the demand for travel, uh, you know, how travel will look. Uh, in the meantime, we've worked very quickly on everything that we can do to make guests feel safe flying on our airplanes. And uh, if you get a chance, we have a video on our blog called Next Level Care. It talks about all the things, close to 100 different things that we're doing in terms of um, cleanliness of our airplanes, using electrostatic sprayers to um, disinfect airplanes, the way that we're cleaning them, uh, how many times a day we clean them, what that cleaning process looks like. Uh, We ask, if you haven't flown recently, but we've asked our our employees uh, to wear masks, and our guests, when they're flying, from the time they check in at the airport uh, through the travel process to wear masks. To, um, to, and we are not, uh, right now we're not uh, booking seats, the middle seats. We're staggering even our first class section, so uh, creating some space between people when they fly. 
So all those things have happened, you know, relatively quickly if you think about it, to get all of this a new kind of way of flying to be as safe as possible, to make people feel as safe as possible when they fly, getting all those things in place. And we continue to refine it. We continue to talk about it, continue to look at what the next steps look like. And, um, and I think that's part of the long-term plan for the return of flying. So I think as part of a regular regular uh, airline pr- practice, you know, you probably already have a lot of things in place for maintaining the aircraft, maintaining uh, the air, airline facilities, um, mm-hmm. and th- this just added a whole new level onto things. How how was internally was were the, were those thought out? You know, um, it was put me in that situation room of people going. We're dealing with a pandemic now. Is there was there already a pandemic plan in place, <laughs> or is, is this something totally new? I don't know if anybody had a, a true pandemic plan in place. I give a lot of credit. We have an incredible safety team. We have an incredible operations team. We have incredible employees that offer suggestions, advice. Uh, so you bring a group of people together as quickly as possible. You uh, put a team together that, that is your COVID response team, and you look at best practices. You look at, um, to be honest, what all airlines can do collectively, um, you know, as the travel industry and aviation, as you know, particularly in the state of Alaska, aviation infrastructure is so important. So how quickly we could do the things that we felt we needed to do to, to take care of and protect our guests and our employees. Um, we want our employees to feel safe when they come to work every day, uh, to give them the tools to do that, and, um, and then by extension, our guests will feel that way as well. So I don't know if we had a plan for it, but I have been just so impressed by the people I work with uh, and to see how they've come together great minds, working hard, all with a common goal, and that's to take care of our employees and to take care of our guests. But do you do this as a solo thing, or does Alaska Air? I mean, you're, you're in an airline terminal. You're going to Atlanta or Chicago, and you're in there with, uh, you know, 25 other airlines uh, with all the same common problems of how to fly safely. So is there a collective meeting of all to say, these are best practices going forward. Let's keep the airline facility terminal safe. And how are we going to proceed with passengers? And what's the masking requirements? Um, Do you do that by yourself, or is that kind of a collective thing? I would probably say the reality is it's probably a a little of both. Of course, we're going to do what we think is right for our airline, for our employees, for our guests. Uh, but at the same time, we're part of an organization called Airlines for America, uh, which um, members include all the major airlines. And so there's sometimes a lot of collective thinking, best practices, um, keeping in touch with, from the federal level, uh, keeping in touch with our airports, because um, we, are, we are probably, if not the only, one of the few uh, 
airlines of our size that actually own terminals, and they happen to be all in the state of Alaska. We own 11 terminals um, in the state, but um, you know, everywhere else, they're 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 either you know run by a city or a municipality or their state-owned airports. So you have to work with your airport partners as well. Uh, we work very closely with the Anchorage Airport, the Fairbanks Airport. Uh, which are part of the Alaska International Airport system, and and then other state or city or municipality um, owned and operated airports in the state. Yeah. So so it's just it's just it just depends, and it's a combination of all of it. You just bring it all together because you can't you want to have a clean airport uh, and feel safe when you're in the lobby of an airport, uh, just as much as you do when you're on the airplane. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. It, how do you deal with the differences between requirements of different states? I mean, every state seems to have their own set of rules as far as um, how people are supposed to proceed nowadays. I imagine they have specific rules in, in terms of airports as well. I mean, if you fly into uh, one community that has one set of rules and then another on a, on a second leg of a flight that has different is it is it more complicated for how you have to do your business it gets a little complicated most of them are fairly consistent um, and i can speak you know in the primarily to alaska and then to uh, to also to an extent, Hawaii. Hawaii had some of the strictest mandates and still does in place of any state in the United States. Um, Alaska, as you probably are aware, has uh, gone through different phases. But yet, um, I I appreciated the fact that um, even the governor, with a statewide mandates on on travel, uh, left it to us to local communities to, to try to figure out what was best for their communities. And so we've worked with, you know, communities, um, I'll use Nome as an example, where they asked, you know, there, there was such a, such a concern for not only Nome itself, but then you've got villages um, outside of Nome and just so concerned about if you have limited medical resources uh, in a smaller village, and then the, someone comes in with the virus, how quickly that could spread and how that could become a, a very dangerous um, situation. So I appreciate and applaud the fact that uh, local governments were trying to do what was best for them. We've tried to partner and work with them as best we could. Um, and so you just, you actually, you know, we message out when you go to alaskaair.com to book your ticket. It'll, at the top, it's going to tell you to click on what different rules are in different areas. And then you can go down and scroll by, by in some cases, by state. In some cases, it tells you to check with the community that you're flying to, like for the state of Alaska. It'll tell you because there may be a different rule in Anchorage than there is in Kodiak or there is in... Petersburg. So you kind of have to you kind of have to give people the resources to go and find the information depending on where they're flying. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about the the extra mile you've had to go through in terms of sanitation. I mean, I, I 
it's hard enough thinking about how the the state was is going to be dealing with you know sanitizing a ferry but the concept of sanitizing a large aircraft and keeping it safe and continually doing that must be an incredible load on your system well and i will start by saying you know we cleaned our airplanes before this happened and um had incredible uh people who uh, support that part of our operation um we took it to a, to a higher level um, with the pandemic and, and kind of gave us an opportunity to look at how we do them, how often we do them, what that entails, bringing in some new things like these you know, electrostatic sprayers. Uh, you can go online. There's a great video that shows it in action and how, you know, what that does, the technology behind that and what it actually killing on the surface um, in the seats and the trays and then, you know, as they're wiped down with with disinfectant wipes, uh, the access, and you probably will see it more and more, uh, you know, the access to hand sanitizers um, in terminals before you get on an airplane. Uh, and then, you know, uh, it, it has become you know, it is, it's just become more uh, prevalent. The deep cleanings have become more frequent. And, and you know, we want these airplanes, we want people to walk on the airplane, feel like the airplane they're on is clean. Um, if they choose right now, if they want to bring their own wipes and wipe the surfaces down around them, we welcome that. We have no concerns about that. Um, and then everything else that goes with it. And that's the also back to the personal part of wearing a mask, uh, really encouraging people to wear a face covering and the same for our employees. We've limited the service on our planes. I don't know how long it's been since you've flown, but you know, we've limited the service on our planes. So we're not passing out food right now. It's very limited service and just been so impressed that the people who are traveling understand that. Understand that that anytime you're passing things and touching things, uh, the more you can reduce that, the safer the whole experience is. So, so we kind of look at it from the whole travel experience. So, how much how much extra time has been added into you know your normal? I know when you get into a plane and you're you're about ready to depart, waiting for you know everybody to get off. There's a whole barrage of people that come in and. And start working immediately because it seems like they're going to turn the plane around pretty quickly. This sounds like you have to take so many extra precautions now if you were flying at maximum capacity that you might not be able to do that because of the extra time that's now involved in trying to sanitize the plane. And we're and there's a lot of yeah there's going to be a lot of discussion and planning. Uh, the, the good news is, is that, well, it's good news, that, that the capacity and the amount of flying and the increase in number of flights will happen slowly. It won't just jump up. So we have time to build in the plan as, as we do that. Um, a lot of times uh, the, the deep, deep cleans can take place when a plane is not flying for extended periods of time. And so most planes will have a period in the in their schedule where there's a longer time between flights. 
or a plane will sit overnight in a, in a community. The plane will come in in the evening, not go back out until morning. So you've kind of got these longer period of time for your really, really deep cleans. And things like the electrostatic spray, the, uh, as it's being used, it, can, it, it makes it possible to get inside an airplane in a relatively short period of time. But, uh, and I don't know all the details because that, um, you know, there are people smarter than me that are, you know, that are looking at that. But the way that we do what we call block times, and block times are your time between flights. So your time from a time a, a plane comes up to the gate before you start boarding that flight, that plane again. Um, how you plan that out gives you enough time to do this additional, additional process of cleaning. So for the everyday person who is concerned about flying, if, and if, your thoughts on whether or not it's, it is safe if you use uh, common sense to be on an airline? I, this, so for me, it's hard. I know that people have concerns about flying and, you know, that ultimately, you know, we get a vaccine, um, get the virus completely, you know, in, under control. That's going to, that's, that's going to relieve a lot of people's anxiety or concern about flying. Until that time, I feel like if you take the precautions, if you do, if, if you take, like, wear your face covering, um, it's for your own protection, it's for the protection of the people around you. Um, know that we're doing everything we can for the, and cleaning our airplanes. I have flown. Um, I have seen the process. I, I've cleaned an airplane. I, uh, we were all asked to volunteer. You cleaned the airplane? I did. We, we were asked, leaders in the company were asked to volunteer time to work alongside the people that clean our airplanes to, first of all, show our appreciation for the work that they're doing and also to experience what that, the work that they're doing. And uh, because we're asking more and more. And so it was important. And I, I cleaned, I believe, one afternoon in, in Anchorage, six airplanes. Really? <laughs> and, and, tell us about it. That, that sounds super fascinating. Well, it was, uh, it was a great learning experience. I, six airplanes may not sound like a lot. It probably it wasn't anywhere near what um, the, the crew does, but it gave me great respect and insight into what it takes to thoroughly clean an airplane before a flight and to know that you have a, you have a, you have a set time to do it. And, you know, disinfecting even things like the, your overhead, the vents that, that circulate the air, uh, the trays, the, the uh, seat belts, um, the pockets, making sure that every little piece of garbage was picked up. But most important, the number one job was the disinfecting, the wiping down, um, the disinfecting wipes, you know, that you're using, the cleaner that you're using to clean the, everything. And, um, and so just gave me and a lot of my fellow coworkers great appreciation for the work and thought it was really smart. So how big is the crew? I mean, how big is the crew that come in to, to – to do a 737? 
Um, I can speak from my experience, but I believe on the planes that I cleaned that day, I think there were six people on there. And they work, you know, they've got it. They, you know, I was the newbie that was, um, I was the one in training. Uh, they, they, uh, they worked in harmony with each other and they had the plane, you know, the segment by sections. And, uh, and then of course they, they clean the laboratories, the kitchen area, you know, the, the uh, and that they're cleaning everything. I was, given a specific job for a certain section to clean the seat areas and um, the overhead. So I think, I believe that day there were six that were with me. This is like an added bonus on to being a vice president, isn't it? That now you have this. (laughs) I, you know what, I, that's, you know, I've always said we have some of the greatest employees and there's over 1,800 employees in the state of Alaska and Anytime I have an opportunity to, you know, shadow their jobs, to watch what they do, to learn from them, it just, I think it makes me, I, I hope it makes me a better, a better person, a better manager, um, because you just get a true appreciation of um, what it takes. I think people would be amazed what it actually, you know, what it takes to run an airline an operation that pretty much runs 24-7. Yeah. So you're in there with six other people, and give me an estimate. Did it take you an hour, hour and a half to clean the whole plane? Trying to remember. I think, well, because they, I mean, they were much more, I was much slower than they Yeah. Um, They're much more experienced. They, Like I say, they have the plane segment, so it's really, they really have a great um Structure, but I think. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. It may have been a half an hour, 45 minutes, and they were in, in many instances. I, I, because I was going from one plane to another, and um, it was different crews, either overlap or different crews that I worked with that during that period of time. But um, it may have been. 30, 45 minutes, something like that. Okay, and then the plane sits for a while before the next group boards for another another leg. So. Yeah, then they prep, yeah, then they prep, the, then, then you know, while that's going on on the inside, they're, of course, doing everything they need to do on the outside of the airplane. They're getting the airplane ready. Um, all of that's done before your crew comes on board. Your crew comes on board, checks the aircraft. There's a, there's a whole checklist of things that happen before guests start boarding. Okay, so let let's assume with the you have these HEPA filters on there, which existed even before the COVID, that mm-hmm. re that that uh, filter the air down to micron levels, and, and theoretically, no virus can be transmitted through the air circulation system because it cleans itself out every couple of minutes, right? Um, right. So once the surfaces and inside are clean and people are spaced out, so safe travel means you're distancing yourself from other passengers, you're happily sitting in your seat with no food coming, and uh, you have a mask on and you wait till you get to your next destination and everything is fine, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then you depart and... and uh, 
and you're back into the masses again. <laughs> so, so uh, how do you deal with the air, the the terminal part of things? I mean, what kind of changes have had to be made at the local level here and at the Anchorage airport to keep people safe in the terminals? They are requiring they're they're asking people to have their face coverings on in the airport. Our employees in the airport have face coverings on. Uh, we ask our guests from the moment they. You know, they get in our area if they're going to check a bag or check in at, at a kiosk that they, at that point, have their masks on. Um, I have flown um, back and forth primarily to um, Seattle for meetings and back. Um, I put my mask on when I get out of the car and it's at Anchorage Airport, and I do not take the mask off until I step outside the Seattle airport. That's that's how, and, and really, for the most part, that's what I see. I see people, they, you have masks on when you're going through TSA. They ask you to remove your mask, so when you're checking your ID, you put your mask back on. They, everyone at TSA is wearing masks. So, you know, that's, I may have a mask on well over four hours, if you think about it. From the time I get out of the car at Anchorage to the time I get out of the airport in Seattle, I will have probably had my mask on for four hours. Now, if I bring a snack on the airplane, if, if I need a snack or um, will pass out um, a small bottle of water, you know, you pull your mask off, you take a bite, you drink your water, you put your mask back on. So I, I feel like it's all, if, if face covering, if people did that, people kept washing their hands, all the things that the CDC um, talks about, you know, the washing of your hands, wiping down surfaces, wearing your face coverings. If everybody did that, um, I think that you would find that you could have, you know, great control over the spread of the virus. Right. So what specifically in terms of the terminal, are there other things that are being done other than masks? I mean, are, are they taking temperatures? Are they asking particular questions of travelers as to whether they're feeling bad? Um, you know, I know when it, when it first started to break out, there was a lot of questions about where you had been traveling from, which kind of put you on a high alert list, right? But... Um, now we're sort of treating everybody the same. Well, the state of Alaska has implemented this, uh, well, it started with the 14-day quarantine. Uh, and I will say, I'll give credit to airports, the big airports, uh, Anchorage, Fairbanks, you know, the big airports are doing a great job of keeping the airports clean. They've, they've uh, I mean, they're, they're, they've got a safety focus as well. So I give them a lot of credit. Uh, the airports uh, around the state, but the, you know, the, we had the 14-day quarantine in place for all people flying into the state, and that would have been for a resident or an out-of-town guest coming in. Uh, on June 6th, the state went to the new format, which means which allows you to have a COVID test done before you fly and bring your negative test results. With you, within 72 hours of flying, you bring it in, uh, you show it to someone 
at many of the airports in the state right now. Who's the someone? I mean, did the did the owners? The state has um, hired uh, a third party uh, health corp company that is taking the. They'll take your paperwork. They'll see your negative test. If you do not have a negative test with you, you can get a test at the airport in Anchorage, Fairbanks, Juneau, Ketchikan, Sitka, Wrangell, Gus Davis. I believe Petersburg is going to start soon, um, and and more. Known cause of you. So. Uh, Many, many of our airports in the state um, have systems set up where people could get tested um, at the airport. Anchorage also, Anchorage, Fairbanks, these others also offer a voucher. If you choose not to get tested at the airport, you can take the voucher, which allows you to be tested. Um, I'll just use Anchorage as an example. Um, you're asked to quarantine until the test results come back. Um, if you bring the negative COVID test with you, then you're free to go and either enjoy your vacation or if you're an Alaskan who's been gone, stay over five days, then you could bring that back with you or get tested when you come home. And just... But that that doesn't take place at the Alaska Airlines counter, does it? Oh, no. I mean, no, no. So you're going to go through security, and at that point, they're going to some one of these contractors is going to ask you for your test. And if you don't, if you you show them the test, then you're allowed to proceed. If you don't have the test, you get a voucher, and they tell you to go away until you get a test result back. No, that's when. So these, this is when you arrive, yeah. not when you're departing. So this is when you arrive in a community in Alaska. Is that you're you're going to bring your test result with you. That would be the ideal. The ideal is to bring it with you. So if you live in Phoenix, right. you're going to come visit. Uh, you get your test done 72 hours. Within 72 hours of flying, you bring it with you. You show it when you get off the airplane, and then you're free to go. You're free to uh, go? Yes. You're free to go because you, you now have a negative COVID test, and so you're um, the state has designed that so that people that want to come to Alaska then have the opportunity to do that without a 14-day quarantine requirement. So if somebody's in Phoenix in the terminal, though, and they don't have a test result with them, they can still fly. It's just when they get here, somebody greets okay. them and says, right, is that what you're saying? Yes. So yes. Then they can still fly and they can come here, and yes. then they're given a voucher and said, go get tested. If they don't have a test, yes. And that's they can get tested in the, in the Anchorage airport. You can actually get tested in the airport and in Fairbanks and in Juneau. Um, Gus Davis, Wrangell, I know for sure, Catch Kansas. You can get tested either right inside the terminal or right outside the terminal. Gotcha. So um, what kinds of things in the terminals that you own, like ours here, um, uh-huh. what, what, kind of, uh, what kind of changes that – to your knowledge, have been made here um, to protect our community and your employees? Well, we've, uh, so we are doing all the same things, you know, with requiring of the masks and the extra cleaning. Um, And we're also working um, to partner to to look at how, where testing could be done um, outside of the terminal. If you've been in the terminal in Kodiak, it's, 
it's not it's not huge. Right. So for some of the smaller smaller terminals, um, I'll use Wrangle for example, just because I saw a picture the other day. Uh, one of the local health organizations actually you know, that was working with the state because they're working with the state on this. They actually put up like an awning, a place where they can people can walk uh, right outside the terminal and go right out there in the parking lot and get a test if they want to. And so it's making it just as, as easy as possible for access to testing and asking you to please, you know, quarantine yourself until you get the results back. Now, there, there was some talk about Canna moving out to the uh, uh, Island Air uh, facility, right. I think, to start doing travel yeah. testing for villagers, but they're also working with you, right? For this, but yes, and so uh, uh, we are working with them to see, you know, how best we can serve the community of Kodiak, working together to to have as easy as possible access to testing. And now, part of your relationship with the community here is also the, your cooperation with the local emergency services group. How how is that going? Um, I would have to check with, and I'll be honest with you, I'd have to check with, so Carrie Smith is our station manager, uh, lives in Kodiak, does a wonderful job uh, in Kodiak, is just a really great partner in the community, and I would have to ask her the answer to that question specifically. I don't have that one right here with me, but happy to get that for you, and I can I can let you know, and you can share that um, after okay. today. Um, I, I have a question that just came in that says, "What, when, and if the forty-nine cargo special rates will be reinstalled?" These are the rates allowing up to hundred yeah. pounds. Yeah. Do you know anything about that? That's a great question. Uh, the, and I don't know if everybody remembers, but it was back in the fall. Um, back in the fall, we had uh, an issue with our freighters. We have three freighters. And um, had an issue with uh, the bulkhead. And as a result of that, we had to reduce the capacity, the amount of cargo we could carry on the airplane. We have that back at about 80%. Because of that, when it happened, we had to, just, we had to temporarily suspend the Club 49 Freight for Less program, which I know is very popular. Um, and I know that many in the state are looking forward to it coming back. So the answer is we're actually working on that right now, about what that would look like and when we can bring it back. And just to, you know, let everybody know our goal is to bring it back. And our goal is to bring it back as soon as possible. We hope to get those freighters back to 100%, which takes care of that issue right away. If we don't see that happening anytime soon, we're going to find another alternative in order to bring back uh, freight for less. For Club 49. Now, um, there's been a number of questions about the one flight into Kodiak a day. Is do you see that changing anytime soon? Um, I, I I was asked that question just yesterday, and and we understand. Um, I know that uh, people in Kodiak, you know, want more um, flights into Kodiak. Right now, the demand is just not there. Um, which is understandable, and that's it's not that's not limited to to Kodiak. That's 
everywhere. Uh, as soon as, as we see demand for travel start to increase, uh, I know Scott Haverstadt, which many people probably in Kodiak know in our office in Anchorage, uh, he really oversees what the schedule looks like and is constantly reviewing that. And when the time is right and a need is there, we will look at how to add flights into, back into Kodiak to meet the demand. Okay. Now, uh, according to our information, the, there isn't a penalty now for changing reservations, but that's supposed to expire soon. Do you anticipate that's going to be extended? Um, I would have to, to check uh, what we're looking at. I know that it's, it's been extended a few times to give people the flexibility to change their flights. Um, and I think that I don't, I think that we're in a good place right now with the flexibility still in place. And I have not been told of any deadline to stop offering that flexibility. Okay. Um, another question just came in about the check stations. The, the question is, shouldn't the check stations be pre-security rather than after security? The check stations for... I would imagine that would be either temperature tests or, or for your documentation about whether you have a test. Well, that would be because the state, so this is a state program. Um, the state would, the state has the program set up in Alaska for people arriving into Alaska. Um, so it would have to be a totally different program if there was going to be testing or screening, say, in Seattle for people to come to Alaska. It would have to be in, a, in the other cities where people will be traveling into the state. So, so that would be a discussion I think that the, probably the state would have to have with either a medical provider or someone else out of state in order to conduct that type of uh, process. And believe me, there, those conversations, there's conversations are happening around what this all looks like um, long term of any type of screening, um, asking people to please not fly when they're sick. If, if you've got a sore throat or you have any of the symptoms outlined on the CDC's website about COVID, you should not fly. I mean, you're, you're, you're safest to stay at home. Um, Nobody wants to fly sick and then be sick somewhere other than home. Um, that's for sure. Right. And the thought of the thought of having to quarantine away from home um, is probably not the the way you envisioned your vacation. So it's just about a lot of that has to do, like I, like I say, with just taking that personal responsibility to not do those things. But I will tell you, there's a lot of discussion about what type of screening could be done at airports. Um, you know, what role could TSA play? Because um, that's, you know, you're absolutely right. Great question. Um, ideally, you would want that screening to take place before um, anyone goes through security. But, but some of these things, this process, this is... It's a work in progress. We're always... We're learning a little bit every day. Every day. And uh, that's what I say. And there are a lot of great people working on it. So there, a quite listener question, I, I, I know you're pressed for time here, so I want to let you go. Um, one, I'd, I'd just like to thank you for partnering up with the employees and with Raven, who had uh, oh, yeah. 
had lost their their jobs there for a bit, and they were retained by Alaska to help our airport out here. Thank you for that. Um, the the other question is, is specifically in terms of masks. There isn't really a there's a suggestion on the planes that passengers wear masks, but there's not a requirement, right? Um, it it is listed on our website as as um, a requirement. It is a requirement. So now you're, you're have you are, have you had to deal with that though? I mean, if have you had to deal with passengers who do not want to wear a mask? You know, I've been in probably you know uh, there may be stories out there, but I've been pleasantly surprised. Um, people, I think people are starting to understand uh, the benefits of a of uh, wearing a face covering. Uh, of course, it can't. It's not going to work for everyone. There's some people for medical reasons cannot have their face covered like that. Um, in those instances, we we would, you know, we're not going to question that if somebody says that they have a medical reason, and there are valid medical reasons not to wear a face covering. But in the flights that I've been on, I think I I don't think I've seen to be honest with you I don't think I've seen anyone not have one on I think people are finding that is that is one of the best things that people can do um, is to is to keep that face covering on um, I do it I keep now I it, who knew that I wouldn't have known this in January but now I've got one in my purse one in my computer bag I've got one in the glove compartment of my car. Um, and it's just become a new normal for me when I go grocery shopping or when we're out in uh, any situation where there's going to be other people. Now, does does Alaska make them available for people who, like, forgot one? Are they yeah. available at the terminal? We do have um, supplies available. Um, we ask that people, because you can't always have a supply everywhere uh, and enough for everybody, but... Uh, for the most part, uh, people are bringing their right. own. You know, Marilyn Romano, I, I have a million other questions I could ask you, but our time is short here, so I'd just like to I say can. thank you. You're very welcome. I can always come back. Maybe next time I could come in person. That would be That would be wonderful. That would be great. Because yeah. I, I know since the beginning of this pandemic and things starting to show down, there's lots of questions about air travel. Sure. And uh, having you here to answer questions would be wonderful happy to come back um we should do that in the next couple of months as things change even more and we may have new ways of doing uh travel i'm sure yeah. you will as, as quickly as things are changing I'm, I'm sure that there'll be a lot more to talk about well i just want to i just want to thank you and i want to thank the people of kodiak i have had a love of kodiak um you mentioned my former career with the Fairbanks Daily News Miner in 1998. I was part of the team that came. We purchased the Fairbanks Daily News Miner, bought the Kodiak Daily Mirror, and I spent a lot of time in Kodiak and just fell in love with the community and the people. And so I just want to thank everyone for their hospitality and their partnership uh, with us at Alaska Airlines. We were all frightened of that. We were all frightened you were going to come down and turn us into <laughs> Fairbanks. <laughs> yeah. Kodiak, yeah. No, too special a community that was never, we never wanted to do that. Right. Well, I know you have another meeting to go to, and we have another program to join, so we will talk again. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. All right, you Bye -bye. have a wonderful day.